0: I think that the, the cross is is a holds up a mirror to humanity of how we kill God, how we are complicit at times from our fear or whatever for for destroying that which is which is good. It holds that mirror to us and says, Where in this world are you complicit? What if
1: everything we know is just a lie, is just a sign of the times. Just take off your disguise and look into my eyes to see a both you the low stretched in front of you to run away together. Pack your bags and we'll take your skies It comes as
2: Hello, wonderful people, and welcome back to the What if Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and this is episode number 120. And uh, believe it or not, it's already part number six of our series, To Hell with Hell, which means, sadly, after this episode, we only have two more episodes left in the series, and it's been a, a wild ride. So today we're going to talk to Connie Tuttle, uh, next week, we talk to William Paul Young, uh, who wrote The Shack, and then we're going to close it out with a woman named Julie Ferwerda, uh who wrote a really cool book uh, about hell, and uh, I'm excited for you to meet her. I'm saving her for last because I feel like she's a voice who maybe not many people know of, but many people should, and so I'm kind of saving the what I think. Is one of the best conversations for, for last. So Connie Tuttle, uh, you might remember her name from way back in January, maybe no, it's February, March, somewhere in that area, just before the pandemic struck and and the life went absolutely bananas. Uh, Connie, in that episode, she came on for the Women's Series, uh, Women's Voices Needed to Hear, and uh, she said something in that episode about hell. And at that time, I was thinking about this series because I think way in advance about stuff. I'm crazy. So this series was, was starting in September. This was back in, I think we recorded the conversation in like January. So I already knew like this series was on the, on the horizon. And she said something about hell and I thought to myself, interesting. Uh, I need to put that on the back burner and bring her back on for this series. So after we were done recording, I said to her, hey, you said this thing about hell and I'm doing this uh, series on hell in the fall. Would you want to come on and talk about that? And she was like, oh, absolutely. So she came on to talk about this. Uh, the thing that she said back in February, kind of drilled down into it a little bit more. And I'm excited to share it with you. I'll just say this. Connie has never, Connie, Connie is a pastor, but Connie has never had to deconstruct the doctrine of hell because she never believed in it in the first place. Interesting, right? So, so interesting things uh, coming up in this episode for sure. Uh, a couple things, real quick. Uh, number one, the series is being sponsored by our friends over at BeADisciple.com. and as I've mentioned, um, they're they're really great people. I mean, we've been talking about them, putting a little blurb in there about them uh, every episode in this series. But uh, here at our podcast, we, we don't we don't shy away from all the hard questions, right? Like. We're doing this eight part uh, series on hell. Uh, we talk about uh, LGBTQ and inclusion, we talk about racial reconciliation. Whatever it is, we just go after it. Uh, we don't shy away from from the hard stuff. And I, I think that that's important, right? Because like questions are a sign of growth. You know it's easy to hold on to our beliefs, you know, white knuckle them. I'm never gonna budge from believing. This and we often think that's a, a symbol of mature faith, but I don't really think it is. Like, I think, I think maturity comes when we embrace questions, uh, we explore doubts, we recognize that maybe there's more to know than we do know right now. And uh, that's why I love be disciple.com because they're like a, a social hub of sorts for all of your spiritual quandaries, and they're just a, a click away be disciple.com. So, head over there, uh, scroll through their classes, they're all affordable. Uh, ecumenical, accredited, and they're all short-term, 100% uh, online. They're taught by content experts. They don't just pick random people to teach these classes, but they're taught by professionals uh, in their field. And they take place in the company of other people. And so you can ask your questions and explore your doubts uh, together. So if you have any questions about that, if that strikes your fancy, as they say, head over to bedisciple.com. Uh, shoot them an email, sign up for one of their classes today. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash whatifproject is a place where you can go to support this show uh, financially. You can either sign up uh, for like a certain amount of money a month, $3, $7, $30, whatever you want a month. Uh, every tier gets its own reward. Or a new feature, you can actually pay a whole year up front. So instead of paying. Uh, let's say $3 a month. Uh, you can pay $30, what is it, $36 up front. I don't know if that math is correct, but you get the idea. Uh, you can either pay it monthly or you can pay it all up front, whatever uh, suits you best. But like I said, every tier gets its own uh, rewards. So that's patreon.com what if project. Uh, also, we have the heretic shop. I will put the link to it in the show notes where you can buy t shirts, uh, sweatshirts. I mean, fall is coming if you want to. Nice new hoodie that's going to tick somebody off. You can go over to the Heretic Shop and uh, pick one up. We have some LGBTQ stuff up there uh, if you if you want to loudly proclaim that you are an ally. We have some other stuff there as well. We have hats, uh, all different sorts of things. We have face masks now that say Love Wins across the front. So head over there, check it out. I'll put the link to it in the show notes, the Heretic Shop. And then lastly, uh, we also have uh, a newsletter, the What If Project After Party. Uh, every Friday morning, a newsletter arrives in your inbox, maybe your spam box depending on how your your email works. But uh, the after party basically, I look back over that week's episode and I share with you some behind the scenes thoughts. you know what was I thinking uh, while this episode was going while I was talking to this person? you know why did I ask what I asked? Maybe how did what they say impact me? Uh, the other day, last couple weeks ago we had Sarah Bessie on. And in that uh, newsletter, I talked about how I was incredibly nervous when I talked to her. And that sometimes I do get really nervous when I talk to people. Uh, And I struggle sometimes because I think that this person is so much better than me. And I have really no place to be talking to this individual. And that's like a a thing that I've battled all of my life. Like a real deep insecurity that goes way back into some uh, uh, life some, some pieces, I guess you could say, of my, of my story that have been difficult and painful. But I, I kind of take all that apart. Uh, in, in, I took it all apart in that newsletter, and I, I kind of shared it. And I had a lot of people write to me and say, hey, that's really cool that you actually shared how, how you struggle with that. Because sometimes when people listen to a podcast, like you think the person behind the mic has it all together. And I certainly do not have it all together. Uh, behind this microphone that is for for sure so I tried to share some vulnerable pieces uh, maybe some helpful pieces all that kind of stuff so I'll uh, check it out I'll put the link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, it's called the What if project after party. special music today is by my friend before Jane. Uh, I've known this guy since he was a kid uh, literally since he was like three or four years old and now he's like 20 I think which is bananas to me but he is he's he makes great music. Uh, He's very creative, always creating new stuff. He's even created some special music just for this show, uh, which is pretty wild. Uh, But check him out. He's on uh, Apple Music. He's on Spotify. He's all over the place uh, before Jane. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Download it. Blast it from your speakers. Share it with your friends. Tell everybody about it uh, before Jane. So all of that said, this is episode number 120. Uh, It's part number six of our series, To Hell with Hell. And it's my conversation with Connie Tuttle. Enjoy. You say
1: the river runs deep with your love. You say that nothing can come up above. You say a passion runs up to the sky. But honey...
2: Hey, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Today, we're joined by repeat guest, Connie Tuttle. Uh, Connie, you might remember, was on the podcast for the women's series that we dropped last spring. Today, she's back to talk to us about the topic of hell. So, Connie, welcome back to the podcast. It's always good to hear your voice.
0: It's good to be here. Thanks, Glenn.
2: So, if you want to hear Connie's story, uh, who she is, what she does, all the things, head back to the first episode we recorded together probably like February, March of this year. Uh, today, though, Connie, if you don't mind, I kind of just want to jump right into the fire. Uh, no no pun intended. <laughs> <It would work. laughs> so in the last episode, uh, we very briefly talked about hell. And what I want to do today is I sort of want to springboard off of that piece of our previous dialogue and take it a little bit deeper. And so I, I want to refresh our memory of the conversation because I went back and I listened to it uh, this past week. And I want to read for you and for our listeners uh, what you said when we, we talked about hell and we'll go, we'll go from there. Uh, but you said this, you know what? I really have never cared if I were going to hell or not. Uh, one, because I don't believe in it. And two, I cannot believe in a God that would invent such a thing. And so I never felt like I had to do or say anything to keep from hanging over the eternal flames of hell. So maybe take us deeper into that. Like, have you always not believed in hell or just more of a recent... Uh, revelation or realization for you?
0: I think I can truthfully say that I've always not believed in hell. I mean, I know that people have talked about it. Mm. It wasn't central to um, any kind of preaching or anything I was exposed to as a child, Mm. Um, but my experience of God was so delightful and Mm. so wonderful that it just didn't feel right to me Mm. it like no that's not no my god wouldn't god doesn't do things like that
2: (laughs) right (laughs) it's like so polar opposite of who you were taught that god is
0: and and who i experienced god to be yeah absolutely Mm. Mm. i i think moving south though um i've met many, many more people who wrestle with that mm. and who had been, uh, who framed their faith around that understanding of God. Um, I, I'm going to get caught. And if I get caught, I'm going to be condemned unless I ask for forgiveness and do it in the right way and believe the right things and do the right things. And then maybe mm. I'll be okay. And then, there becomes this rigidity that is connected with it. Like I I can't let go of these beliefs or these fears because if I'm right and I let go of them, then I, 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 there's this kind of um, fearful condemnation that will affect me for eternity. Yeah. It's very, um, I feel a great deal of compassion for that, Mm. but I don't Mm. experience it for myself.
2: Mm. So you've never had to, I guess it's fair to say you've never had to uh, like deconstruct then that area of your faith because you never really had that piece of theology as part of your system of beliefs.
0: Right. Mm. I think that may be a gift that I bring to ministry Yeah. Um, because so many people to journey further in their faith have to deconstruct that.
2: That's taken me a long, it's been the hardest piece for me, I think, because that was the one that was ingrained in my mind for so many years. And once I kind of came face to face with doesn't really fit, like you said, with my experience of who God is. I've, I've had so many experiences with God, and this one piece of my theology does not fit any of those experiences. And so, kind of taking that apart has been a very exhaustive, exhausting process for me.
0: I I can imagine, um, and it's it's sort of like control by fear,
1: hmm.
0: you know? um, and that and that people are so afraid, including the pastors who preach it. Mm. Um, and, and I keep, and I was actually writing about this today. I keep thinking about, you know, um, Paul saying, love casts out fear. Um, mm. And and then, of course, circling back around to God is love. So there's like this uh, cognitive dissonance between the kind of fear that's perpetuated and the experience of this God of love.
2: Yeah. A lot of people are, um, especially in this, like this time of deconstruction that I'm in, like questioning a lot of stuff about hell and writing about it on my own blog and on my own Facebook page. Like a lot of the the pushback that I get is very fear based. Like, you know, you're, you're now you're on this path to hell. Like now that you're, your beliefs start changing. You don't believe these things anymore. Now you're on this path and not only are you on this path, but you're bringing all these other people with you. And, you know, aren't you afraid that one day you're going to have to answer to God? And if you're wrong, like, then what are you going to do? So it's like, like you said, it's all very fear-based.
0: Right. It's and it's So circular in it's thinking. And, and fear is also what controls people.
2: That's right, and yep.
0: and what if, what if one's faith journey, one's journey of the spirit, was was open ended rather than than closed? And you know, you, you you talked about you're not believing the right things, and and I, I've, I just also find such a, I don't think faith of any stripe, but particularly Christianity. Is about believing the right things.
1: Mm.
0: I think it's about. I always like to shift it into talking about trusting God. Mm. That's the leap of faith: is not to believe something that is so dissonant with your own experience, but that you t- that you trust God to. Um, to be faithful in relationship with you.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think for me, like growing up, you know, Christianity and Christian faith was always was always about beliefs. It was always about you had to believe the right things. And even like now a lot of the pushback that I get is that I don't believe the right things. That you know, that's what I, that's what I'm told. And that, you know, if you don't believe these things, then that means you're not really a Christian. But once I kind of got over that hump of um, being afraid of of hell, I began to realize that you know the Christian faith is much different than a system of beliefs. Like it, it's not, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's a way of, it's a way of life. It's, it's a way of living the, the Christ way in the world. And in this world, you either create a heavenly place or you can create a hellish place. I mean, just take a look around us in the world today. Like we have so many instances of literal hell, on earth, but it all has to do with the way that humanity as a whole has chosen to, to live and to act and to speak and, and to move through the world.
0: Right. It, it is. Um, I think about when I preach on Sundays, even after I read scripture, I say the word of God for the people of the way. Hmm. You know, we're yeah. trying to walk in the way of Christ or walk the Christ way.
2: That's why I try to remind people too that like you know the the term Christian was almost like a like a nasty name that they used to call you know people who followed Christ because it means little little Christ, and it was almost like a like a mocking thing to say like oh look at these people following their christ like but you know somehow along the line, it's become this rigid system of beliefs as opposed to that way of life of just following the rabbi walking. I think it was I forget where I read it. Maybe it was in one, or, I think it was one of Rob Bell's Numa videos. We talked about how like following if you, when you follow your rabbi, you want to be cov- covered in the dust of his feet. You, want to be cov- co- you know, following him so closely that you're covered in the dust that's coming off of his sandals. And I feel like somewhere along the way we've lost that It's become the system of beliefs. And if you th- believe the wrong way, then you end up in the wrong place.
0: Yeah, and I think that's I think that's sad for so many people who have really been spiritually and emotionally crippled by that. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I said before, um, but I, it'll bear repeating in this context that much of the ministry that I do and the many of the people who are part of the Circle of Grace community are people who have um, been abused by that perspective so that there's so much wounding um, that comes for healing
1: Hmm.
0: and, and the healing is necessary then for, so that growth can happen. Hmm. Right. But if you're constantly attending to your wounds, then you stay locked in in that in that place spiritually, yeah, but once those wounds begin healing it's like growth then becomes almost exponential right
2: yes yeah. So- yeah as soon as you recognize the wound and you begin to address it even before the healing has really come you do expe- you do begin to experience a lot of a lot of growth right
0: so I'm wondering do do you still have moments of fear that that they and I put that in quotes could be right?
2: Uh yeah. I mean that that thought creeps in my head a lot. Like especially it's like a whole other rabbit trail, but it's it's on the same, I guess the same topic. But like even lately with all the things that are going on in the world, like with the pandemic and you know, we just in North Carolina we just had a, an earthquake and there's you know there's tornadoes and there's you know all these there's rumors of wars and you know all this stuff and it's like those are the things growing up that I was taught like that was the signal for the end times that means that Jesus is coming back you know and that means that you better have your act together because if you don't that means you're going to be left behind and you're going to end up in hell and you know that's that's where you're going to be for eternity and so even though now like I don't subscribe to any of that those thoughts creep back in my head all the time of what if, like, what if I'm wrong? Like, what if all of that is true? And I have to really like that wound begins to open up immediately and begin to hurt. And I have to slow my mind down and I have to almost talk to the smaller version of myself inside. that was taught those things as a youngster and kind of come alongside of him and remind him of these other, you know, remind him of who God is and, how I've experienced God and different things that I've learned since that time in my life, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I think too, the thing that like gets me to talk about like the experience of, of God and how, like how we've experienced God doesn't line up with, you know, this God who's created or allows this place of hell to exist. And I think one of the things that gets me is like, I think of the Holocaust, right? Like if only people who, believe in jesus whatever whatever that means go to heaven and everybody else goes to hell that means that after hitler burned the jews in literal ovens during the holocaust god passed them into an eternal oven and so is god like really that much different than hitler is actually like 10 million times worse right
0: right well you know some of the questions that you you know shared with me for us to be talking about i think kind of point um, to to how do we address human history and our understanding of God when we see that kind of, we can name that as evil when we mm. see it perpetrated
2: yeah
0: but nobody's naming hell as evil hell is evil yeah <laughs> right um, yeah. and and I I'm not thinking God is evil hmm I think, too, the other thing that kind of got sparked for me in um, looking at some of the questions you had mm-hmm. uh, that we were going to talk are going to talk about is um, this lack of differentiation between the idea of sin and the idea of evil. Mm. because they're, they're not the same. Mm. and And so, you know, I think. Sometimes we're just not nuanced enough hmm. uh, thinking hmm. um, about, about a whole lot, but particularly about that.
2: Well, um, take us down that road. Why, why does that, why do you think that that matters? Like why is that differentiation important between sin and evil?
0: In, in breaking down the, the um, words used for sin in scripture, mm-hmm. that they really point to um, being off track. You know, getting, getting, you know, getting off track, not being pointed in the right direction, and so um, to to be redeemed is kind of to point ourselves back on track. You know, Mm. um, it is it is a guidance for how to be in relationship with both God and humanity. You know, don't you look at the Ten Commandments? we're not gonna call any of those things that are the thou shalt nots evil, but they, they take us off track. They turn us away. Mm. Um, they keep us from being in right relationship with, with other human beings and with God. And mm. so you wanna come back to being in right, what is gonna put me in right relationship? What is gonna orient me? Um, back towards God's intention.
1: Hmm.
0: So first you have to be aware that you're out of that intention. And then you want to turn back towards that intention. So
1: Hmm.
0: then it gets kind of screwy. Well, people say, well, then your intention is wrong, right? (laughs) (laughs) Your your intention, you have misread the intention. Right. and I, I always and always go back to um, what Jesus said is, if you um, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, meaning loving yourself, then all the laws and the prophets, you know, are fulfilled in that. Mm-hmm. So asking the question of intention means, is this loving, not in the um, warm, fuzzy feeling thing, but is this caring for um, the value of myself and of the other person mm. and of my relationship with God?
2: Yeah. I think if you view everything through the lens of those two commands, um, it's, it's very, very much different than, like we said earlier, just a system of what you believe or don't believe.
0: Well, and I would, I would challenge you a little bit and say that there are three commands. Mm. And that loving ourselves yeah. is also a reflection of accepting that we are loved by God.
2: That's true. Yeah,
0: and, and it's important for us to be spiritually healthy.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's easier to love God and other people than it is to love yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if there is no if there is no hell, um, like what do you think the point is of Jesus and the cross and you know, all the talk about salvation in the Bible. Like if we remove the narrative of hell as a place of eternal torture, separation from God, whatever you want to call it from, call it, you know, that Jesus saves us from, then what exactly does Jesus save us from? And I ask that because that's like one of the biggest questions I get from our listeners who were raised with the doctrine of hell as like a cornerstone piece of their theology. Because for many, it feels like, you know, the bottom block of the, the Janka tower, like that's like the foundation. And if it's taken out, everything else feels really wobbly until they're able to kind of uh, make sense of Jesus and the cross apart from that, that torturous place. So like, since you didn't really grow up with that um, in your theology, like how, how have you come to understand Jesus, the cross salvation with that kind of taken out of the picture?
0: You know, those are some really, really important and good questions. So mm. you know, thank you for um, asking. And I will attempt to answer for myself and also say I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I could be wrong and I'm open to um, learning more as I go along. Like my, the point isn't for me to have the answer locked up. Yeah. Yep. To the, the questions sort of open the door for exploration. So mm. I'll, I'll kind of tell you where I've gotten to so far. How, how about that?
2: Okay. I like it.
0: So what's the point of Jesus? Well, Jesus is the point of Jesus, but for <laughs> me, um, you know, sort of like, what's the point of you? Well, our our existence is our point, but for mm. me, um, Jesus showed me and shows me a way of being in the world that is deeply reflective of how I understand God and God's intention for us, mm. and um, and so I I want to follow in His way. Mm. The cross. I think that the, the cross is is a is a, a holds up a mirror to humanity of how we um, kill God, mm. how we are complicit in um, at times. From our fear or whatever, for for um, destroying that which is which is good, mm. um, and that it 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 holds that mirror to us and says, "Where in this world are you complicit?" Yeah. So that's a tough question for me, and one that I have to keep asking. Mm. Um, but I think the cross for me is real in that. That it poses that question, mm. the resurrection. Well, you know, I, I'm. This is probably going to sound overly simple. But for me, the resurrection says that um, love is the final word. Yeah. yeah. That um, death is not the final word. Mm. Redemption or mm. salvation. Salvation. Yeah. Salvation, right. <laughs> what, are and, uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> what are we saved from? Yeah.
0: What are we saved from? Yeah. Two things when I when I read those questions, two things came to my mind. And and one is I, I would use the word redemption rather than salvation. <laughs> um I wish I could remember I have a poem in my book that I wish I could remember. Um, it at this point, but I'm I'm blanking on it. But it, it was saying, "What does it, basically what does it mean to be saved? Are we salvaged? Hmm. Sort of like our hearts, you know." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but redemption is different. Redemption is kind of in my heart and mind, twofold, hmm. and one is one of the things that Christ kind of sh- did a, a paradigm shift in in i think spiritual religious thinking and philosophy and that was introducing forgiveness as a as a primal way of being spiritual mm. as as or having primacy that that forgiveness is central to the christian way mm. And so, redemption to me is connected with the ability to forgive ourselves and to forgive others, mm. so that we can um, we can move forward without uh, the burden of our past. Mm. Um, as as Benedict said, every day we begin again. You know, you don't have to be perfect, but you begin your journey again in that mm. seeking to follow more closely in the way of Christ. Yeah. So what what redemption for me is being able to not be enslaved by my past. Mm. And so if we're not saved from hell, what are we saved from? Well, I think we're saved from ourselves on some level.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm.
0: Again, I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm just saying on my journey right now, this is where I am. Yeah. But I'm, also, I'm not afraid of being wrong. And I think that maybe that's a difference that some people wrestle with.
2: Yeah. But I think that's a beautiful... And very important thing like that you bring to the table right there is that, first of all, that sentiment that I could be wrong and I'm not afraid to be wrong because that goes back to fear. And again, I was raised to believe that what I was believing was the most important, that what I believe is the right way to believe. And there was a great amount of fear in there that if I believe something else, that means that I'm wrong. And... I could never ever admit to being wrong, you know. So there's just, just what you bring to the table with that is so lifts such a huge burden that I feel like I carried for a good part of my life. But you know, I think that you also bring an important perspective in the in the narrative of you know Jesus's life and his death and his his resurrection. And I, I think I believe probably where I'm at now, like, very very similar to what you said. Like, I was raised to believe that. You know, God essentially killed Jesus because he was mad at sin and somebody had to take the beating. And so Jesus raised his hand and said, I'll take the beating. So, you know, God killed Jesus because of my sin. And then if I believe in that, then I get to go to heaven. If I don't, then I go to hell. But like nowadays, I'm seeing it more like God came to earth in the form of Christ to show us how to live in the best way possible like how to live as the human beings that he created us to be but in a world that was filled with hatred and um, trying to climb to the top and obsession with power and all these different things like the system didn't have room for that in it and so essentially humanity killed god um, as opposed to god killing Jesus like humanity killed god humanity put god on the cross and like you said that holds up a mirror to us um, to see that almost within our within ourselves and what ultimately brought jesus off of the the cross or out of the tomb was that love and that that forgiveness like he said from the cross you know forgive them for they know not what they do and it was that forgiveness that love that drove him forward from the cross um, into resurrection, into new life. And I think that's that's the big lesson for us.
0: And I I, I don't disagree. I think that, I think I would even expand it a little further and hmm. say, if we are all in the image of God, how are we now crucifying God in our world today? Yeah, yeah. Are we how are we crucifying George Floyd? Hmm. Right? Um, how are we crucifying Breonna Taylor?
2: Hmm.
0: How are we crucifying um young uh trans women and men who are who are being murdered in in the streets? Um, it, it didn't stop there it still is lifting that mirror to us. Yeah.
2: It's almost like a then, lifelong investigation, right? Like just constantly looking into that mirror.
0: Well, and and then finding ways to participate in God's redemptive hmm. work. Yeah. You know, I don't think, I mean, it's not about, we can't look in that mirror and then say, oh, we're terrible, terrible people, but saying, Oh this is this is where I participated. I want to turn back. I want to um, to participate in the redemptive work of God in the world as as well. And I can't do that if I don't see it. Yeah. and I don't see my own complicity.
2: Hmm. I guess rather than looking in that mirror and letting it constantly drive us to our knees to like a place of sackcloth and, and ashes and beating our chest, which there's a place for, but instead of always driving us to that point, perhaps sometimes it needs to drive us to the streets, so to speak, where we can put our faith into action. Right. Yeah.
0: If if we are proclaiming that, that love is more powerful than hate and then death, then living into it, is an important part of our, our lives of faith.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so then I guess spinning off of all of that, the, the next question that people typically have is, well, does everybody just get in like scot free? You know, like is God, just a, a big pushover in the sky who kind of winks away the evils of the world and, you know, love wins and people pass through the pearly gates, regardless of how they've spent their life on earth. Like, you know what? What exactly happens, if anything, to people who just choose to live the opposite of love in this world? Because you know those people are seem to be all over at times. So, um, yeah. you know, that's something that I ask a lot of a lot of our guests on the show, especially in this series, is kind of what their perspective is on that. So, um, I guess the the question then to narrow it down is: if we take hell out of the picture, do we remove God's judgment? Um, as well. Another big question for you, Connie. I know you're solving solving all the problems of the universe right now for us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, you know, the words that we use are important and we often don't unpack them. So when you say judgment, I'm thinking like judgment that also then equals condemnation, that equals um, punishment, or are we Mm -hmm. just saying judgment that discerns between you know what is um, loving and just yeah uh, what is uh, harmful and evil yeah uh, or hateful and, and evil mm. and so does do I think that that the divine distinguishes between those things absolutely does the divine call us? in one direction rather than the other well absolutely carter hayward called it justice love Hmm. you know that that to reflect the love of god in the world requires that it be companioned with justice yeah um so if we're saying is judgment being able to discern between those two yes If, if you're talking about judgment as condemnation or does God give us a free pass. What, what wonderful heresy would it be if I said to you, yep, Glenn, <laughs> that, that's true. God's forgiveness, God's compassion, um, God's ability to restore us to ourselves is that big. Yeah. That, that's a, a tough question, but it's yeah. also chock full of a lot of assumptions. And yeah. one of the assumptions is that judgment is 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 um, connected to punishment, and that that justice is connected to punishment. Hmm. I, I, what I what I can say is I don't know that we can know. What I have said to my daughter is, I believe that there is an ultimate justice that I may not see now. Or understand now and I might not even understand when I cross over to the other side mm. but I do believe there is an ultimate justice and I don't know what that looks like yeah what I do know is that biblically justice is always paired with compassion or uh, to use an old-fashioned word mercy yeah but i so I think I think that when we carry evil, which I'm separating that out from sin
1: hmm.
0: within us i you know that it 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 disables a part of our soul, yeah, but I don't know that God does that to us,
2: you know one of the the verses that I've been meditating on a lot lately is from uh Mark, I don't remember exactly where it is, but uh Jesus says that um, everyone will be assaulted with fire and uh, not just the bad people. So, you know, in quotes, but quotes, the good people too, like everybody will be assaulted with fire. And I've been having this, this mental picture of, you know, what if, what if God's, what if that fire is God's quote judgment and we can keep unpacking that word in a moment, but, and what if, You know, the fire, as everybody passes through the fire, what if that what if that judgment, what if that wanna call it hell, whatever you want to call it, what if it burns away all of this stuff in our life that doesn't fit in the kingdom of God? Because all throughout the Bible, like fire is used for something to bring restoration, fire is used to um, uh, to purify. purify. Yep, fire is used to make to make better. And so what if that's what all this is about? And Yeah, fire is painful. It's not going to feel good, but it's not supposed to feel good because we're eradicating all of the stuff out of our life that doesn't fit within the context of God's kingdom. And so I think that, I feel like that's a much more Jesus-like picture than just throwing somebody into this you know, eternal torture chamber where they're separated from God and everybody else for all of eternity.
0: Well, it also kind of suggests that, you know, we all carry within us things that are not redemptive, yep. not, not loving, as well as the things that are loving. I mean, that, that it's we're not either or kind of people. We, we hold all of that within us.
2: Yeah. And like, what if, I mean, like you said, we all have those things in us. And maybe some of us will have to spend a longer period of time um, passing through that fire in order to eradicate the things. Other people might have to pass, might pass through it a little bit more quickly. But at the same point, like you said, we all have those things in our lives that don't fit. So all of a sudden, it doesn't become there's no finger pointing. It's not us versus them. It's, it's us. It's all of us have this stuff. We all have to pass through the fire. We all have stuff we have to deal with. We all have stuff that has to be eradicated, pulled out.
0: Well, and in, in kind of what I hear you saying behind that, if I really pulled the lens back and made it, you know, wide angle was that we all have a need to believe that there is some kind of justice.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: And so when I said, you know I do believe that there is an ultimate justice and and maybe this is where I, what I'm saying is not particularly satisfying i I don't have to figure out how that looks, yeah or what it would mean hmm. for me personally or or for you that again that's just sort of trusting that that it's there and or that it it, it is um an ultimate reality and how it's achieved well let's see Mm. how's it and I think that it's not just achieved after death I think you know how are we participating in an ongoing way in in life as well as in life after life
2: yeah yeah and
0: Mm. those aren't satisfying answers for for folks who who want <laughs> more certainty, but I do also still believe that it's an invitation to trust who we know God to be. Yeah, and who we've experienced God to be.
2: Yeah, I had uh, posed this question to I think it was William Paul Young, the guy that wrote the Shack, and um, he had a he had a really good point, and I'm gonna not going to do this any justice. I'm going to butcher it, but I'll do my best. But he said something along the lines of like, like you said that, you know, the word judgment carries with it so much baggage. And like in the West, in America, when you hear judgment, you think of judge. When you hear think of judge, you think of courtroom, you think of courtroom. You think of a guy with a gavel, guilty or innocent, heaven or hell. And like, that's the end of the story. But he said like, what if like what if judgment is something different? Like what if, what if the judge is a doctor in an operating room and the doctor, the judge is standing over a body with the chest cut wide open and he's judging what in there is good and what in there is not so good. <laughs> like what, what, what do we need to remove out of this body in order to allow this body to have the best life possible going forward? And he said, 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 when you think of judge, he goes, now, which one of those judges sounds more like Jesus? And I said, uh, well, obviously, the operating room doctor. He said, precisely. He said, so sometimes it's not so much that we have to explain away God's judgment. It's a matter of rethinking, you know, what baggage have we attached to judgment that might not be intended to be there in the first place.
0: And that to not be condemned is not to be the same thing as being given a free pass.
2: Right. Right. Well, Connie, we are uh, nearing the end of our time, but uh, I have a lot of things, (laughs) I have a lot of things to think about.
0: Well, and I thank you for giving me the uh, opportunity to think about a lot of these things. Um, And uh, I have to go back to saying, you know, I, I, I don't know. And the, as time goes on, more will be opened and I hope I will grow and change. And, and, uh, if either of us are wrong, I think that's okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to invite you back on for this series is because of that short piece of the conversation we had the last time. Um, you just came off as very, very, very willing to be wrong and that that's, that that's okay. And that's not something that a lot of our listeners have grown up with. Um, And a lot of us have been taught, you have to be certain, you have to be sure you can't have any doubt. And when I hear you talk about big issues like this and kind of almost in a sense, shrug your shoulders and say, I might be right. I might be wrong. And either way it's okay. I think it's just such a freeing way to, to live in such a freeing way to read our Bible, such a freeing way to approach God and some of these big topics. So I thank you for, for that. And uh, for your voice.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me into this conversation. Um, always. It is a blessing that at least comes to me and hope goes both ways.
2: Uh, thank you. And real quick uh, where I know you mentioned it last time, but for people who didn't catch that episode, uh, where can people go? find you online?
0: Uh, ConnieTuttle.com is my website where I also have a weekly blog and um, my book is on Amazon and also from my publisher, A Gracious Heresy, The Queer Calling of an Unlikely Prophet.
2: Perfect. Well, I will put those those links in the show notes for sure.
0: Thanks so much, Glenn.
2: Thanks, Connie. We'll do this again for a third time sometime soon.
0: All right, super.
2: All right, bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.